Hey everyone, Justin here with Whitetail Theories Podcast. We are back with the season butcher. We have Jim Denzine and we have Charlie Anderson. What's up, fellas? How you doing today? Hey Justin, how goes it? Good, good, fellas. Well, I am glad to have y'all back on the mic. For you guys that don't know, uh, last week we did an episode with the Season Butcher. Um, it's out now on White Tail Theory's podcast. You'll also see it on all the socials and things like that. Um, but we kind of checked in with the Season Butcher. Um, wanted to see what's been going on these last 10 months. We were rounding out, getting closer to that year mark, so we wanted to touch base because we, we know they've been doing great things, so if you haven't checked out that episode, definitely go check it out. Um, very informative, and the basis of it is, why is field-to-table so important? Now, with this episode, we're going to dive a little bit more in-depth. Um, we're going to kind of touch on how do you make the most of your of your season's harvest, um, whatever game animal you're chasing, whether it be pheasant, squirrel, you know, duck, you know, deer, turkey. Um, we're going to touch on that just a little bit more in depth with how to make the most of it. And from talking with the guys, um, this is the route we're going to start here with. But it all starts with when you pull that trigger, the smoke clears or, you know, the dust settles. Um, you don't pull that arrow back. Your, your animal's on the ground. Um, and where do you go from here? Um, so guys jump right into it here and and uh we'll get this thing rolling well for sure i hope first of all i hope everybody's having a a successful turkey season i know that across the country we've had turkey seasons going on i think down your way what do they start in early march we We start early march and we end it on april 28th and i know that's right when you guys really start firing up yeah, it's interesting. Um, us being in northern Wisconsin, we started uh, our turkey season started April 20th. So, yeah, the time you're wrapping up, we're just literally just starting. And we've got, uh, I think, 18, if my math is right, 18 more days. I mean, we're recording this a little bit ahead of time, but we've got 18 more days. So we are right in the peak of our last three seasons because we run ours seven days at a time for six weeks. So little different up here you gotta gotta have a specific tag for one of those six weeks yeah and i I know you guys have been really putting the birds down and and like jim said this is something where we we're recording a little bit ahead of time we like to do this stuff in the moment um and right now you guys are on the birds and you're i mean you just did a, a a youtube video with hunter nation with luke um, you've got videos coming out. You got a turkey bacon video you said dropping that you guys were eating on. Um, so definitely a lot when it comes to the realm of turkey right now. Yeah, it's a it's a really good lead in for this particular session because when you're when you're on fire, you know, chasing turkeys and a lot of guys, you know, call them thunder chickens or whatever. Um, but you're you're on the birds and you're 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 stacking up meat in the freezer what are you going to do with that and how do you take that from field to table so luke luke came we did a collaboration um with him and his boys from hunter nation they had harvested a couple of birds during the youth youth season um right before the 20th what i think it was the 16th and 17th of april and we made uh turkey polish sausage and um we smiled when Luke called it kielbasa in the video because it really doesn't matter. It's just a slightly different seasoning mix. Um, 
But uh, we've got Turkey Bacon. Charlie's editing those two videos. We're excited to get those up live here in you know over the next seven to ten days. Um, but anyways, that the, the reason why we're doing all that is obviously to show people what they can do with these birds they're killing, right? And just different ways, different ways to create table fare, and and that's where you come in. I know we've had a some lengthy conversations on on that whole concept. Yeah, for sure, and and that's uh, that's why we wanted to go into it because I have I couldn't tell you the 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 thing I hate hearing the most is when somebody just says you know turkey don't taste good or this turkey this turkey ain't no good or you know I'm just killing it for this reason or for that reason and at the end of the day it is people's tags and you should fill it but you also have to remember um, you know you're not gonna want to take something and waste it um, so why not create something delicious that you like your family likes or gosh your friends like if you don't like turkey but you like killing them make your friends something I, I tell you what you're the kind of friend that throws me some some turkey polish sausage or gives me a pack of turkey bacon I'm probably gonna be the best friend you ever had after that um, not just because I'm a fat boy that likes to eat but just because I appreciate game meat so much but um, you know that that's actually something I wanted to ask you guys. What what should these people do with their turkeys? You know, we always hear the they breast it out and they don't do anything. Um, I think we could go into a little detail here and 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 let's tell our listeners how do you make the most of a turkey? Well, what they got to realize is when you pull that trigger, just like in your intro, and that bird hits the ground, and you walk up there to your harvest, this is where it starts. It starts right then and there is when you recover that game starts the most important part of the field to table process. So when you walk up there and you grab that bird, it's what you do with it. How you carry that game back to your truck. How do you leave it in the back of your truck in the hot sun? Do you try to put that in the shade to bring that back home? That is all quality control that starts from the beginning and it really reflects in the end product when you go to make something with it. So when you harvest that wild Turkey, we'll use Turkey for an example. Don't drag it through the mud, pick it up. Don't let it just, you know, sit in the back of the truck for a couple hours, put it in a shade, put it in something cool until you can give it back to your home and you can start discombobulating that bird. Also, you know, I see these hunters out there, and they say that, well, wild turkey, I want to say wild turkey takes some of the baddest rap out there next to probably hog, where I, I don't know how to cook it. I don't know what to do with it. It's always tough. It's It never turns out right. Well, it's because you didn't properly take care of it. If you did a little research and actually figured out how to properly take care of your game and how to prepare it and the different ways and things you can make out of it, you're going to find that it's one of the most tasty, uh, delicate, tender meats that there is. I mean, if you ever had wild turkey breakfast sausage and you compare it to venison, breakfast sausage it is a night and day difference on the texture it's the closest thing that you can find to store-bought quality if that's what you're used to the texture is phenomenal 
Yeah, turkeys. I'm sorry. Go ahead. But also, there's a lot of these guys that when they breast out these birds, they get rid of the rest of it. You should be ashamed of yourself as hunters when you actually, when you find out how tasty these are and you're throwing away the thighs, you're throwing away the legs, or you don't even take the time. You just leave it in the back of your truck for five hours and you come back. And all of a sudden, that bird got heated up too much and it smells. Hmm. They should be ashamed of themselves of wasting that game. Yeah, you know, and, and you know, I, you know, we don't sugarcoat anything on White Tail Theories podcast. We're we're not here to bash no one, and we like to keep it positive. But at the end of the day, like you, you got to respect the animal too. Not for one, you're disrespecting yourself and you're disrespecting the animal because you just killed something. You're driving around with it, you know. I, and and this and we're actually I wanna I wanna jump back to this, but what a with a question that I had for you on on the what you're supposed to do after you take the bird, but. You know, I, I have a big cooler. I have a big white cooler, super cheap. Got it at Walmart years and years ago. Uh, doesn't even have the little drainage plug any, anymore. I got a Coors Light aluminum cap on it, but it still works great. But, um, you know, keeps ice cold for a while. I keep, you know, ice on the bottom of it. I want to say I keep it about a third, you know, maybe three-eighths of the way up. Um, and then I keep a, a, a very light uh, trash bag on top of the ice, and then I lay my bird I keep the cooler on the back of the truck, um, then I lay my bird on top of it. I'll grab pictures and, and measure spurs and all that jazz, um, but I uh, that's what I do. Um, but at the end of the day, you got to respect that game and one stuff because, you, you know, you're not only – there's always someone watching. Um, and when I say that, it's not so much of getting someone in trouble. It's how do you know you're – your child or, or maybe your, I don't know, your brother's kid or a friend or someone that you're taking that's just getting into hunting and you're doing that, all you're doing is you're showing them the wrong way to do it. Um, they're going to do it and we're just going to continue this vicious cycle of wasting. Um, and we know we've talked on this on the last episode, prices are absolutely ridiculous. If you don't want the meat, that is fine. There are so many hungry people that would be willing to take that if you could just provide a little bit of your time to work it the right way. Um, you know, and, and hit me up. I'll be more than happy to find somebody local or in your area that, that may need it um, to help you out if you don't have time to do that. But um, I guess my question would be here, um, and I won't get too long-winded on that um, and be in a rant, but uh, it, do you getting it on the ice like that is that would you say that's probably like the the best way to do it i know you mentioned shade it's a little cooler but let's just say in those southern states i guess getting it on ice immediately will will kind of help you with that yeah 100 percent. and i mean it's so we're actually it was funny because charlie hit the other day kevin kevin one of the guys that's part of the crew we put down a bird on the news this particular season started wednesday and we put one down wednesday morning for kevin and one third yesterday for me and you're in the field, and we went from running our furnaces on Sunday to yesterday. It was 92 degrees here. It's <laughs> only in Wisconsin. <laughs> yeah, it's crazy. And uh, but if you're not close to home, where you know you, you kind of know your schedule, right? So you got to plan ahead. 100% what you just suggested. Got a cooler, ice. You also carry a knife in the truck. Get you know whether you do it on the on the ground somewhere if you got some grass or on the tailgate what or on top of your cooler lid you know you just and we're going to do a video on this but just open you know cut through the the skin there on the breast breast them out and then you just take cuz once you expose the breast you're also exposing the thighs and 
run that cut down to where their their legs start where the skin is on the leg peel that peel all that feathers and skin away and then you know i just push down on the leg real hard just push you know push away with the breast if you can visualize it and down on that leg and thigh and it pops that joint cut it off quick you can take your knife and cut the joint on the leg where the where the actual skin part of the leg meets the feathers it's real simple if you've never done it you just make a cut there and you'll see it start to pop open and now you've broke that down and you can throw that in that that cooler with that ice a little bit of water in there that may develop it's it's okay it's not going to hurt that bird if it gets into ice water in fact i'd recommend it cool it down quick and away you go you you, you know if you got to run to work it you're safe to leave that sit in there while you're at work right you got ice water on it and get home and and rinse it off get you know get rid of the little feathers and hopefully vacuum seal it or wrap it in saran wrap and freeze it the way you want to freeze it because you you know what you want to make with it and we'll probably go down that rabbit trail here some you know some suggested favorites that we may have here at the season butcher but i'm going to pause and kind of give you a chance to interject there justin yeah, I just, you know, that's where I was at with it was, you know, we, we know in some states you can definitely, you know, make it home or, or get it in the shade and, and you'll be fine. But, you know, I know down here in Florida, uh, meat uh, to me is, is very important when it comes to spoiling. Um, all I think about as soon as I pull that trigger isn't getting a nice photo or calling calling my friends or, or whatever. The first thing I think of is how quick can I get this to my truck? Um, with that cooler full of ice because I'm so scared that it's gonna it's gonna spoil and not only have I disrespected and wasted the animal um, but I just spent all that time money and effort um, it stays about 80 90 100 degrees during hunting season here so I have to I have to act very quick um, and I just you know I, I'm almost to the point where it's like I feel absolutely horrible. Uh, I wounded a deer last year, a doe, and I felt sick to my stomach. I ended up finding her and was able to put another arrow in her, and everything worked out fine, and the meat was fine, and it's been in my belly many times already, but um, it, it could have went really bad really fast, and I could have wasted a lot, which ended up being a, a lot of meat um, that I really needed this, this year. Um, so it, it could have went bad. It, it ended up being good, but... You know, that's where I'm at with it is, is you know, make sure you guys are, are properly taking care of it and, and getting rid of it. And I guess my question would be with that is I know it's kind of hard to to explain over the phone or over a podcast. Um, it's a lot easier when we can visually see it. We're going to have uh, in the show notes, we're going to have some videos for everyone to watch, things like that for those those learners that like that visual but kind of tell us what what comprise for the people that don't know because there are a lot of people that are just getting into turkey hunting um girlfriend's father just got him on two birds he's in his 60s never turkey hunted his whole life and and took two birds this year so there's a lot of people like that what what kind of meat are we taking off this turkey well you've you know i i i hesitate so you know everybody has their favorites it depends on you know, the, the family and friends that you've ran with in the past, right? It's like everybody, you ever hear somebody say, or a hunter say, this is, this is the best way to make, you know, fish or backstraps or turkey. Right. And what, what Charlie and I call turkey, turkey nugget seems to be a very popular thing to do with the breast meat. Oh yeah. One of my favorites. 
Yeah, and the, you can do those obviously in the turkey fryer where you flour them up and and fry them in you know hot hot oil. Um, we we've got a video actually where we did them in the, the air fryer, and they're phenomenal. And you can put your favorite barbecue sauce on them. Um, but we started making turkey jerky, and and people might say, well, what do you mean turkey jerky? And you can go, you can tag the video there, but people really like jerky and if you've never tried turkey jerky as an example i'm just going to go out on a limb here and say you'll be blown away at how good it is and there's it's a simple process you know you know freeze it up kind of semi-frozen and cut it you know three-eighths thick and get it into one of our jerky mixes and leave it in the refrigerator in an ice cream pail or or some sort of bowl for five to seven days and get it on the dehydrator or smoker or whatever mechanism you want to use. And again, we can help you with that, but these are ideas, right? The legs, which you mentioned, you, you've heard of guys that don't take the legs and the thighs. My goodness gracious, that is some of the best dark meat that, that you can literally, you know, consume or put in your mouth. We're using the thighs in our sausage products. Um, we're using the legs in, in a slow cooker concept where you, you get them going on low all day in some cream of mushroom soup, and then you pull the splines out when they're just about done. And then, like, you can put your favorite veggies in there. You know, Charlie mentioned, you know, snow peas, um, you know, carrots, potatoes, onions, whatever you want in there. But you almost have, like, a stew-type stew mix that you can throw over biscuits or, or potatoes or rice. And I'm being kind of broad stroke here, 50,000-foot view of it. But that dark meat is amazing. I mean, it's fresh in my mind because I just ate some leftovers yesterday when I got home from the hunt, heated up in the microwave. And I'm laughing because it was just cream of mushroom soup and those turkey legs. And I'm thinking, my God, is this good? I mean, this is phenomenal table fare. Better than I could go sit down at the cafe right now and pay probably $15 for their biscuits and gravy, right? And and have to leave a tip and you got a $20 meal and all we did was pop in our turkey legs into the slow cooker. You know, Charlie, Charlie's amazing because he's the chef in the group. I mean, he'll, he'll get an idea in his head and away we go with it. But that's, that's where we've, you know, made all these different types of products. And I can kind of throw it his way here, but I'll pause for effect on your end. Is that, that kind of answer that question a little bit or? It, it does. And you actually answered it better than the way I stated it. Um, that's actually what I meant was when, it, you know, when I asked, you know, I, I think I had said, uh, you know, what are you cutting off the turkey or what are you using? And, I, and, that, and that's what I meant is what, you know, what do you, the stuff we see people just throw away or not use or think they can't do anything with it. You guys are making slow cooked meals that you can just throw in the crock pot you know, and, and not only just saving the money, but the time, you're not having to, you throw it in the crock pot before work, you don't taking a turkey or two and throwing it in the crock pot before work, you got a, a dinner for four or five people right there, um, and you're not even doing anything but throwing some things in a, in a, in a pot, or I'm, I'm sorry, in the, in the crock pot and slow cooking it, um, you know, it's falling yeah, off the bone. Yeah, it, it literally is that simple. If people have never tried it, they need to. I mean, it's that simple. And if you need a tip, you can message us through Justin or directly through the season butcher. I uh, We were chuckling because as we get to the end of season here, we actually have so many legs. We were going to make a meal for the crew and use a roaster, you know, where we're going to probably throw, you know, 15 20 of them in there i don't know what i've got vacuum sealed in the freezer i had some carryover from last year and 
you know, it's time, you know how it is. It's time to empty the freezer on some of that and make that, that, you know, magic stew or whatever you want to call it. But that's, <laughs> yep. and, and you know how it is guys come in from the hunt, they're hungry and, and, and it's not something you choke down. I mean, if you, Charlie and I have this zero to 10 scale on our food, it seems, and we're talking, you're going to hit nines and tens with this. And if people have never tried it, you can take some pride in sharing it with, you know, friends and family, and they're going to, they're going to enjoy it. Another quick recipe is turkey salad. If you grew up, if you're a little older like me, and you remember the old church potlucks, and there was always somebody that would bring like a chicken salad where you, you got the salary and the, the cashews in it or whatever, and that, you know, they'd put chicken in it or tuna where you process those, those legs, same thing. I, you know, you can cook them in the oven or in the slow cooker there and you pull them out and you just basically cut the meat into smaller chunks. And there you've got Turkey salad. Oh man. If you want some hot or cold, <laughs> hot, hot or cold. Exactly. You want some, uh, some craisins in there or some grapes or whatever it is. And, you know, most people know how to Google, you know, making say a t- chicken salad. You're just substituting the, the wild Turkey legs in there or the thigh meat and, and it'll be phenomenal. I mean, there will be no leftovers. We do this time and time again, and people are, like, blown away. And they're like, we had no idea. And that's Charlie's comment. How can that be? We sit in awe. Like, how can that be that you don't take that? Because at the end of a season, if you've shot several birds, like we're blessed to do, we're, we might end up with, I don't want to exaggerate here, Charlie, what, 30, 40, 50, 75 pounds of leg and thigh meat that is just sitting there and we'll grind that up for our turkey sausage, turkey bacon, turkey kielbasa, um, turkey breakfast sausage. I mean, there's any number of things you can do with it. Yeah. And, 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 you know, as, as far as you mentioned the, the turkey salad, you know, the first thing I think of when I hear things like that is like, you know, you can say you, you are not, but a lot of people, you get bored with eating the same thing. Now, does that mean it doesn't taste good and it's delicious and that's what you know? No, it's it's not saying any of that. I, like we mentioned in that last episode, you know, who doesn't love a good old tenderloin or, you know, fried up or, or like you said, turkey nuggets? You know, we all love that, but... There's so much more you can do with it if you get bored or if you just want to try something newer. You know, maybe you know, maybe your wife or, or you know, if, if a, a woman's listening to this, her husband, maybe he's tired of that same old. You're able to to do something different, and it's always the sky's the limit. Like you said, you put some raisins in there, put some cranberries. You know, you can you can make it fresh. Um, you know, we all love hearty. I love hearty, delicious food, but you can also make, you know, takes on it in a fresh way. I know when we make salad, I haven't done it with turkey salad. I will now, but I know when we do chicken salad, um, and I've even done duck meat salad, it's, you know, we'll, we'll get a piece of cabbage or a piece of spinach and we'll roll it up and we'll make, you know, little, almost like little, uh, party favor type things like that. Um, so it's always different things you can do. Yeah, it's funny that you're in Florida. We're up here because you're you're obviously cut from the same stump we are, Justin. <laughs> I know it's it's funny how that works out. I, I always tell people you a service side. It's almost like you attract the right people. It's it's one of those things where it's like I want to get the most out of my game, and that's actually what you guys provide on on top of seasoning and things like that. So it's funny how that works out. <laughs> 
hundred hundred percent we're smiling here if you could see us so between uh, you and charlie i'm sitting here like you don't even realize it but i always mention uh service side brothers and sisters because it almost feels like you're in the same family just because of the ideas and 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 routes people think of it's like wow i was literally thinking of that the other day like when you mentioned turkey salad i'm like i'm really glad you mentioned that and i hope you guys have a video out and if you don't i hope you make one because i would definitely be uh uh, into that of, of, I mean, yeah, like you said, you know, cut it small, things like that, but it's always nice to see it. Yeah. A hundred percent. It's funny. You segue to, you know, making the comment about videos. Cause we, we laugh when we hear that because we can't make, we can't make them fast enough at the channel, you know, it's, <laughs> and then it's hunting season and, or Charlie and Gabe are, you know, editing as fast as they can. And, you know, you have limited resources because it's, you know, obviously on the previous podcast, we talked about the history of the company and, but we're, it's, we're seriously highlighting the whole field to table concept. I mean, that's, that's what we are. It's not just, you know, and I didn't say this, you know, last week, but it, you, you watch a lot of celebrity hunters and it's all about the kill. It's kill, 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 kill. I'd like to joke about it, you know, because we're all guilty Charlie and I, our kids, you, Justin, I mean, everybody we know, we love popping on our favorite channel for sure, or TV uh, hunting show. And it's all about the kill. We all want to see the kill. But what don't you see? You don't you, see you what don't. happens after. Exactly. From the time they stick a knife in it, what happened then? You know, in, in fact, one of the things that grates me, and I'm not against the Feed the Hungry program, please do not misinterpret this. But there's nothing that frosts my cornflakes more than watching professional hunters take a, a white-tailed deer to the locker plant to the Feed the Hungry program. Yeah, and then and, eat a box of – and don't get me wrong. I love a good old Little Debbie, so Little Debbie, don't don't hate on us for this. But, uh, you know, you see I've opened a Little Debbie cake or, or some sausage they pay – or I'm sorry, some jerky they paid $7 a strip for at the gas station. And I'm sitting here like – what about the what about the game I've watched you take the Dude, last? You just, yeah, you you just took the words out of my mouth. They're taking it over to the Feed the Hungry program, and then they run to the convenience store, and they're literally paying ten dollars for three ounces of jerky, <laughs> right? Because that. that's 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 about the going rate. Now I'm not sure with inflation. I haven't checked prices for probably don't want to know eight, eight or nine months. Yeah, I don't want to know. But yeah, they're 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 they got the little Debbies or the jar of peanut butter or the the some brand of jerky, and they're popping that in, and we're like, huh, you know, we're 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 sitting there in the turkey blind eating summer sausage and cheese and snack sticks and turkey jerky and 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 everybody's like can't get enough of it. The frustrating part is we we bring enough for you know, 10 people and three guys in 30 minutes, they've already, you know, devoured it. And we're like, uh, we can't make this stuff fast enough. Right. I just had to look this up real quick. Cause I was super curious. So for a jumbo size, and this is, this is jerky link. So this is going to be your, your gas station one. Um, for one, it says a hundred percent beef, but when you look at the ingredients, it looks like there's about 20 things listed. Um, but besides that, we won't get on that. So I'm looking at, let me see, I'm trying to see the weight of this, whatever it is, it's 60, but, oh, here we go. So for five, for 5.8 ounces, you're looking at, and it's a dollar 28 per ounce. You're looking at 60 bucks for an eight pack. 
60 bucks for five ounces. Wow. Right. So you, you went, you, you went there quick and (laughs) I don't want to have to, I don't want to have to tax my brain, but our, our jerky mixes are come for five pounds, five pound batches, right? So you're going to take that Turkey or that whole muscle meat from whatever could be moose, you know, caribou, deer, elk, whatever. And you're going to start with five pounds. So by the time you dehydrate it down, let's say you end up with half. Just, you know, let's not get critical here, everybody listening. Let's not split hairs. You're going to end up with roughly half. And our jerky mixes are going to run you $5.50 to as much as around $6, $6.50. Okay. So think about that. You're making two and a half pounds. And I actually have a video that we did called jerky economics. It was an epic fail because nobody clicks on it and watches it, which doesn't surprise us. Right. Because of the topic, but you know, out of our 130,000 views, that one's responsible for about zero. And, but the point of the whole video was I took a whiteboard and easel and went into the math and you literally, so let me, uh, you got your calculator, Justin, think about this. Two and a half pounds, so 16 ounces per pound, that's 40 ounces of jerky on two and a half pounds, right? Right. And you just said five ounces cost you how much? It was 60 bucks. It was 59.99. Okay, so five ounces is 60 bucks. So that's a factor of eight with 40 ounces. So eight times 60 is what? $480? 480. Or you could spend... uh, 650 from us if i round up got six dollars and fifty cents now you can buy jerky cheaper all right i mean this 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 you really open kind of a debatable subject here you can get it i mean it seems to run for three ounces typically where i've priced compared up here you're looking at in that 12 to 15 dollar range so if we just said 15 bucks for round math and you take three ounces into 40 ounces, you're looking at a factor of 13. So what's 13 times 15? So we are looking at 195. Yeah, so anywhere from, let's, cut, let's round down, anywhere from $150 to as high as 480 for the exact same thing you can make from home for under seven dollars. Now, yes, if you're listening, it, this this is why I said last week. Why aren't you? <laughs> it's I. You, you see the disconnect Charlie and I have. We sit back knowing this, and that's where we we really rack our brains or you know twist our brains to figure out how do we bring you the viewer content to show the field to table lifestyle and do it in such a way you want to listen to it because we're kind of swimming upstream because the entire hunting world has been trained to, to watch kill, 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 kill. Right. So I come along cause the killing part is sexy. I want to watch it too. That's, oh, yeah. that's very it real. Yeah. That's the sexy part. If I say, well, Hey, I want to show you how to make jerky or hamburger. There's, there's nothing sexy about that concept. Right. 
Well, you know, at the end of the day, too, there, I, I, and I've mentioned this to both of you guys, uh, we don't see it, and I'm glad we're seeing it with y'all, um, because it's one of those things where it's like, I want people to get the most out of it. I mean, how many how many recipes have we already listed? I mean, we've, we've mentioned uh, at least four or five different ways to prepare turkey, and we haven't even touched the tip of the iceberg. You know, we've barely touched on thighs we touched on one leg recipe uh some things you can do you know to to kind of spice it up a little bit if you want to get past the norm and you know uh sausage kibasa you know like you said change the seasoning up you can get um you know polish so we've already mentioned all those different things and we're not even about 30 minutes into the podcast so i mean it's it's barely touching the tip of the iceberg here with it right Right. And, and it's really a matter of the experience that you bring. So if we were to slow the wagon down for the new listener is if you're, if you're hunting and you were never taught how to live from field to table, sometimes probably I, and I'm 18 years older than Charlie, he's 36, I'm 54. You got to remember my dad was, you know, a baby boomer boom were born in 46, you know, so my grandparents were dairy farmers, but were, you know, lived through the great depression. Right. And so, you know, my, my dad was raised hunting, fishing, trapping, milking cows. And so it was sustenance hunting, hunting for sustenance, meaning food. Right. And so that's how I was raised. That's where the old, old timers, I, I hate to use that term, but just, you know, give me some leeway here. The old timers would always say, well, you can't eat the antlers, can't eat the horns. Right. And that's where that came from because they were raised with that great depression mentality. And so they used every part of that animal that you humanly possible could. I remember my dad, chewing my butt when we were boys me and my two little brothers because he taught us we were we were cutting those up by the time we were six seven eight years old but he would make us take the fillet knife and scrape the rib bones i'm not exaggerating we had to cut the meat between the ribs and then he would scrape the bones to get that extra meat off and that went into your sausage grind what charlie and i call sausage grind because that was his mentality. And he would look at us and say, you boys have never had to want a meal. So when you're raised with that mentality, you learn how to take these game animals and use them. Right. And now our, you know, the generations today get, get the ability to use video or technology. They have better grinders, better equipment, better knives, better guns, better ammunition, better bows, better broadheads, better arrows, and I could keep going. But that, what does that all do? That allows us to be more efficient in harvesting, killing that game, and then taking it to the table, right? Yeah, you would almost think that field to table after you mentioned just those one, you know, dozen things, you would think that field to table would be the most important thing because we we all know what it is. You know, we we all want to see the kill shot, but you would think field to table would be more important than that for the simple fact of the ROI, you know? Yeah, Charlie keeps looking over at me, so I'm 
<laughs> I can tell that look. He's like, you're on a roll, brother. The, 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 the ROI is so... The economics of doing this yourself, the whole DIY movement, you know, you what you haven't asked is what do we need to get started? Well, you obviously you need to harvest your animal, but then you need a knife, right? I don't mean to dumb this down, but no, please do. This is actually a great, great route I'd like to go down is what, what do we need? Yeah, it's handy to have, you know, some good cutting utensils, some decent knives, and there's a number of brands out there, right? And maybe an inexpensive meat saw. And so that allows you to, you know, take care of those turkeys, deer, big game, whatever animals you're harvesting. And then from there, learning how to actually knock that, that animal apart. Charlie said, discombobulate it. You know, you're, you're breaking them down is what you're doing. And if you're talking deer, we're talking quartering that animal and then obviously deboning it whether it's deer or turkey, we can stick with those two. Now you have chunks of meat, right? So you can, if, if, if you can visualize a deboned deer or turkey laying on the table and you looked at your, your freezer and said, okay, what do I want to make out of this? Charlie will call me all the time. What do you want to make next? I've gotten to the point where Charles, I don't care. You choose, right? Cause he's, he's, he's really, really good at laying out a plan of what we're going to make next. And so, because it all tastes awesome. We're, I mean, this stuff, if you follow our videos and you're a newbie, I'm confident that even factoring in you being nervous that you can still hit eights, nines and tens right out of the gate. Okay. So back to equipment, you need a grinder, so the question is, what is your budget? You know, we'd recommend at least starting with a number eight. They rate them with a number system. In the shop, for time's sake, we run a 32. So if you go to the seasonbutcher.com and you click on grinders, you can see the difference between a number eight, you know, a number 12, a number 2022, 20, and a number 32 grinder. You can see the difference, and it's all horsepower and size, Right. And then it, you factor in the economics. And if you have a grinder and then you can go with a hand stuffer or a motorized stuffer, if you want to get into, you know, stuffing casings. And then from there, some sort of vacuum sealer. And, you know, you, we just bought um, the Max Vac 1000 for our videos in the shop. And it's, you know, put out by Lem. We have a a working relationship with Lem, and we've been using Lem products prior to the season butcher. We like their stuff. I've had Cabela's grinders in the past, and back years ago, I had a Gander Mountain grinder. And you know, so we 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 spent the money to upgrade our equipment, but ROI was your question. And to keep this simple, you can get into those three pieces of equipment easily into that thousand to $1,200 range with good equipment, right? And I'm just pulling a number out of my head. So what is the ROI on that? It's gonna be somewhere between four and eight deer. That's what it's gonna take. If you process those deer, I'm get, and I'm giving you some latitude here, but think about, so you know how, Justin, how long does it take you to, to kill four to eight animals? Is that a season? Is that two seasons? Is that eight seasons? I don't know. I don't, I don't know. For Charlie and I, 
it's the first month of season. Yeah, that's that's about where I'm at. I uh, I feel that I go crazy during early bow. Um, we, we're allowed five deer here. Um, so I do that. I fill the freezer that way when I travel, like you said, we all have that dream of, of getting, you know, a specific buck or a specific game animal. So then for me, I, you know, cause with me, I, I have to fill the freezer. It's, it's a job. It has to be done. The freezer has to be full and ready to go. And then I go play and I have my fun. Now, don't get me wrong. I still have fun and all that other stuff, but mentally, um, it, it's a job at that point. I have to make sure my family has food and then I'll go to other states and, and play around and get things and still use the meat and stuff. But usually early bow season, I'm trying to get that for sure. Are you sure you're not sitting here with us in Wisconsin? Like, not, <laughs> I have Char, to. Charlie's looking at me right now, and I, if you heard me whisper through the recording, I'm like, he's he's just like us. Hey, I, I tell I'm you like, what, the does hate me. We can only kill does here during bow, and I tell you what, I make sure that I, I'm on them during bow season. I'm like, sorry, ladies, but it's, it's going down, uh, <laughs> you know. Yeah, we have the ability to get – to, in most of our units, two antlerless tags with each your bow and your gun deer tag. And then you have the ability to buy additional, they call them bonus antlerless. So it's really endless. I mean, you can get as many as you want. And if you're willing to cross over some county lines, it, it opens up you know, literally as many as you want. So that's exactly what we do early in the season, especially now with this, this new new economy that we're dealing with. I will peel through my freezer in August, you know, move things around, organize it based on the dates on the packages, you know, the stuff that needs to get used up. Charlie and I will move that into some sort of bag or box system where that that is being made this summer. You know, let's say it's a year old. Well, that's going into some sort of sausage product, right? So summertime is the time to get that meat made up because what are you eating on the road? What are you what are you eating in these hunts? What's in yeah. your pack? Exactly. Yeah. Uh, honey buns. <laughs> yeah. What are you grilling? What are you throwing on your pellet grill this summer? Or your charcoal? Charlie's going to interject here. What are you taking to the lake? It's yeah. summertime. What are you taking to the beach? What are you taking to that two hour trip to the zoo if you travel? We know how expensive convenience store food is. If you make some of these products ahead of time, and get your freezer whittled down because you got literally months away from being able to harvest your game again, the renewable source. How nice is it to take that package of snack sticks, take a package of that summer sausage right to the beach? And personally, myself, I've pre-sliced this up, pre-sliced my summer sausage, pre-cut my sticks in the smaller little bite-sized pieces, so when I go places with my family or others, you know, just in a group setting, you're having a Saturday afternoon at the beach with friends and family, I can pass this out to kids in the whole nine yards, and it's pre-cut up, it's pre-done, and I'm feeding them a quality product that sticks to their bones. It's not this out-of-the-bag stuff that they can throw it with a juice box down in 20 minutes. They're coming back saying, Dad, I'm hungry. Dad, I'm hungry. Yeah, for sure. I got to chime in because you mentioned the beach and you live in Florida. But literally my mind went to beer brats. Yep, we do a lot of brats, sausage. That's the summer food there. Right. I mean, we're sitting here. So we we like to, 
you know, again, I don't want to sound like a commercial because that's not what this is, but take beer brats, right? And, and we find the littlest things that Charlie and I take for granted. Every one of the seasoning mixes comes with instructions, and, and these are pre, you know, pre-made seasonings, hand-packaged right here in northern Wisconsin, um, literally packaged by hand, you know, in our provider vacuum sealed etc you're not paying for fancy packaging from the seasoned butcher you're paying for quality all right and so instead of putting water in the mix you put beer we prefer like a like a stronger beer not something like go with you know say a budweiser or lining kugels which is kind of you know right down the road from us and now you've got a beer brought i'm not buying i don't i'm not going and buying johnsonville I'm, I'm, I'm buying Jim and Charlie's right. And, and people will say, these are the best brought who made these, where did you buy these? And we're laughing because they may not even know that those are venison brats. Now there's some little tricks They're They're still heavy pork. Right. And, and we've learned to use pork butts. You know, I mean, again, I could go down all sorts of rabbit trails but people will say, well, I tried it and it didn't work out. Well, first question, what'd you use for pork? Well, I ran to the butcher shop and I got a bunch of pig fat, some trim. Uh, well, that was your first problem, right? <laughs> How many times have um, we heard that one? When you exactly. said that, that's, that's, I was laughing in my head because I'm like, if I had a dollar for everyone I know that said I didn't like my sausage, and I'm like, where'd you get your fat from, or where, where'd you put in it? And they're like, I went to the butcher shop and got some pig scraps. Yeah, exactly. It doesn't even and I'm sound like, good. <laughs> no, it does. No, it doesn't sound good. So we watched the sales now. Six months ago, we we bought several cases of pork butts for ninety nine cents a pound, right? We flat out when we're making our videos, we've tried to take the guesswork out of it. And we tell people use pork butts because it it has that magic mix of meat to fat ratio. So we know that if they use a pork butt, and I'm I mean a pork butt, not the pork shoulder roast, the pork butt, right? And, and then it comes down to personal preference. So if you're talking brat, you may go with straight pork. If you want to throw some turkey in on a 25-pound batch, you, you'll put five to eight pounds of turkey in, depending on what you have. And our videos explain this. Or, or if you're going to do venison, you might put five pounds of venison, 20 pounds of pork. And you keep a ledger, right? These are things that there's, there's moving parts when it comes to home butchering. But here's the cool part. You can keep a ledger and you create your personal recipes using our seasonings and you make notes like could have went with slightly less venison, could have went with more venison, could have added a little pepper. But guess what? When you go to the locker plant and have somebody else do it, not, not only are you paying five, six, seven, eight bucks a pound and spending hundreds, maybe thousands of dollars versus Charlie mentioned on Luke's video, we did that for $1.79 a pound, those those uh, Polish turkey sausage brats. And, you know, so you're saving five, six dollars a pound and you know what's in it. Right. But the point is, the variable is what are you putting in it? So every time I have somebody say, well, we we tried it and didn't like the outcome. I'm like, how is that possible? And that's that's why we've started the season butcher. That's why we make the videos we make because we're trying to take the guesswork 
out of it for the for the hunter and the homesteader or you know the consumer right i see this all the time because jim and i are in multiple sausage making meat making groups and it's very popular some of these groups have 30 to seventy thousand people in them and i i listen and read bunch of these comments and questions people have and one guy one time says his snack sticks didn't turn out, but he used pork fat. The next, the very next thing the guy says is, my summer sausage didn't turn out, I used beef fat. Well, why don't you just stick to one consistent basis? And like me and Jim have found, we've consistently stuck to pork butts. The most crucial thing that you can do is have consistency when you're refining your product. You don't want a whole bunch of different variables. So what we found was sticking to pork butts is it doesn't matter what store you buy them from, where you get them, whether a locker plant has a sale on them, whether you go to your Costco, whatever it may be, your local grocery store, and they have a sale on pork butts, it's going to have a consistent fat to meat ratio so when you keep your ledger, and it's very important to keep this ledger that we're talking about, when you start adding in any of your wild game products, you have a consistent pork to fat so you know how to tweak the percentages of, say, venison or turkey that you're putting into these products so you're custom making this to your liking. It is custom butchering to your liking. So one guy may like a 50-50 ratio of a broth between pork and venison, where the next guy, no, no, I want something a little more closer to that famous Johnsonville. Well, he might want to do, say, a percentage of 80-20. Well, if you don't keep a ledger and have a consistent pork the fat ratio, you're going to vary on your outcome every time. Yeah, and, you, and you'll never be satisfied that way. I, I think that's one of the, the best hot takes of this episode right there is you guys mentioned in the ledger because, you know, you guys can, you know, we're going to have the, the show notes here full of, of links and videos uh, for some things that we talked about in this episode. So everyone, you can, for the listeners, you can go check it out yourself. Um, but that's the main thing. At the end of the day, you have to do what you like or what your family likes to eat, not uh, you know, which you may have saw on, on YouTube or saw somewhere else and it, and it looked good, you know, try it obviously, but you know, don't be afraid to, that's a great odd take. Don't be afraid to tweak your ledger and, and keep track of that. Cause at the end of the day, if you're not consistent, I mean, you're, you're really just wasting your time. I mean, if you got time and money to waste and that's what you want to do with your life, go for it. But for the majority of us, you know, we want to make sure that when we, you know, put ratios in and stuff. It's what we want. And when you find that sweet spot, you, you know, you don't need to change it. You can change the flavor, but you know, just where do I send the check, Justin? <laughs> you know, um, it, it, you, you know, just, what? you just hit, yeah, you just hit the nail on the head. Once you find that sweet spot, then all you're doing is you're substituting the flavors in and out, right? And that's the great thing about what you're doing here with the home butchering. Once, once I tell people, and I've had a couple guys, believe it or not, from Tennessee, Sunday evening at 7 o'clock, 
and the season butcher phone rings and it's a guy from Tennessee wanting to know meat ratios for the next day. I spent an hour and a half on a Sunday evening talking to this gentleman, explaining how crucial it is to just get the consistency of the meat down. And, you know, depending on which area you come from, Justin, I'm guessing you like a little more spicier food than we do up here. People in Texas, we find, like a little bit more spice. But the common denominator is, is once you make your first batch and you write these notes down and you get the consistency of the meat itself, now all you're doing is adding, say, you know, an extra ounce and a half of cayenne pepper. Maybe it's two ounces of crushed pepper. Maybe it's a half an ounce of black pepper that you're adding to the mix. But you have your baseline down and to make this a 10, you might be making the product in wherever you come from, depending on your taste buds, it might come out the first time a seven and a half to an eight. But you know what? I really have, you know, me, I have a hanking for garlic. I like to add a strong four ounces of garlic to a 25 pound batch. That's a simple tweaking and customization to home butchering that makes it so convenient once you get this down. That's, and I was going to, you know, listening to Charlie and you got quiet there, Justin. So I'm guessing oh, I'm you're soaking you're, it up, man. I'm, I'm over here thinking about bacon. Your and... wheels are, yeah, your <laughs> wheels are spinning. I'm, for those that are still listening, I'm going to go down a little rabbit trail to prove a point here. You, I've got a buddy that comes here annually and hunts in January because we've got some units that are open till the end of January. And it's interesting depending on the part of the country you're from or what you've been raised with, you have little techniques, right? So this guy will go get some bacon ends and he mixes them in with hamburger. And it still twists my brain. Like I would never do this. And if you do it, it's okay. Right. But if, let me ask you, I'll give you a little test question. What's the obvious problem you have by mixing grinding bacon ends into your hamburger? What is the obvious problem that presents? I mean, quick, quick, don't you know? I'm just shooting in the dark here. Is it? It, it would get too hot, right? Is it, yeah, you're your cook it? times. You're gonna have to. You're gonna your cook temp. You're gonna have to run your hamburger now up to over. You know, over one forty five. Yeah. You're gonna have to be. You know, you know, one fifty plus, right? Because of the pork. And if you know anything about grilling venison, you go from rare. To well done in a matter, it could be 30 seconds, right? Oh, yeah. Because of the, right. And so this, this is where we're here to help because you, you said something on the last week's podcast where you said, you know, my girlfriend thought, thought venison was gamey. And it's funny because we hear that as well. And there's reasons for that, you know, and it's, it's that field prep. It's okay. Did you just shoot a buck in the peak of the rut? And when you're skinning it and you're skinning it from the hind legs down, let's say, and you grab the hocks, are you touching the rest of your meat? I've said that to people and they look at me like I have three heads. You know, they're like, yeah, I shot this elk and it was super gamey, real musky. Yeah, that's urine. That's that yeah, taste. That's, rut. <laughs> that's exactly. So when we, when we kill elk, I've got a rule on the mountain. One, if I'm with a buddy, one guy does the cutting one guy grabs the meat or you better have some some wet wipes in your pack 
because you cannot touch that meat after you've touched that hide because you will transfer that urine taste into your meat. Now, I, I'm not trying to be gross here, but we got to be, you know, we got to lay it out here, right? Yeah, keep and it my real. Po- yeah, my point is that's the same thing. So if if we eliminate that variable, as Charlie said, you're, you're skinning, your process, you got the meat cooled down. Well, now why is it gamey? Was it eating sage, right? Is it feeding on an alfalfa field in Wisconsin? I can tell you if you go to, you know, an hour north of here and there's no farms and they're eating pretty much brush or whatever's in the woods versus these farm-fed deer, there's going to be a slight difference. But I'll say this. I've never tasted a gamey whitetail. I've never done it. I'm sure they're out there. I've shot hundreds of them, and I've never had a gamey one. Now, why is that? And so here's my point to this. It's in your care of your meat. I'm convinced of it now more than ever. And so, you know, take hamburger. This just is a quick example. People will say, I don't like venison hamburger. Charlie used the analogy. People say, you see it on the message boards. They don't like turkey. Throw, you know, run them over because they're so tough back and forth and then then process them. And you're still going to be disappointed. That's funny because we're making products that are 10 out of 10 with turkey. Well, venison hamburger. I've got a video on this and I explain, you know, no, some would disagree. That's fine. You have your ways. And if you do keep doing it. But it's how we separate our grind meat. We have, for example, the hindquarters. I shoot enough deer that 100% of my hamburger comes from the hindquarters, the whole muscle groups. Well, guess what there's not in those groups, those steaks? A lot of people use those for steaks, right? There's no fat. I cut off the silver skin, and so my hamburger is literally 99.9% lean. It's pure meat. I do not use shoulder meat for my hamburger. That goes into our sausage grind, what we call sausage grind. There's a difference. There's hamburger grind and there's sausage grind. And you don't you don't have to get out all of that tallow, that deer fat, believe it or not. You don't have to get that all out for your product. We do take the big chunks out. We get rid of the silver skin as best we can. And then we go about our business. But those are little tips and tricks that change the game. And I only threw that in because to whet your appetite is once you learn those tricks, the food that you're putting on the table is going to go from being a five, six, seven to eights, nines, and tens. And it's those little tips and tricks that are the game changers. It's those little subtleties. It's the same in the sausage making it's the difference between some people might like a 50-50 venison to pork in their brat, let's say a, a sausage product, right? In a brat, as an example, you might eat that, Justin, and say, love the taste, but the texture was crumbly. Really, I'll tell you it's crumbly because of the venison ratio. You went 50-50, so you know what I mean? The meat's going to be a little more crumbly. If you don't like that texture and you called and said, hey, I used your seasoning, but it was a little crumbly. What was your ratio? 50-50. Okay, go to 80-20. It's not going to be crumbly. Go to 90-10. It's okay. What's that, Justin? I was just saying, I'm actually really glad you touched on that because I actually didn't know there was a difference between like sausage grinds and and burger grinds. Now, obviously, the, the mixtures, you know, but I didn't know, 
you know, that you, you separated your hind quarter and your front shoulder. I would, you know, to me, I would do, you know, a little of both. So that's interesting well, the, to know. The difference is, and I laugh because my wife and I have been married 34 years here in a couple weeks. And Shannon will tell you, cause we, <laughs> another, another misnomer. I don't like venison, ham- venison hamburger because it's too dry. <laughs> I've heard that before. Yep. <laughs> And Shannon, Shannon just laughs, right? Because she makes, you know, we'll, we'll chop up your favorite onion. I mean, there's many choices when it comes to onions, and she'll, she'll, she's got one of these little pampered chef choppers, right? And she'll mix in maybe some mushrooms or onions and shredded cheese, and we'll mix. But anyway, she'll make pure hamburger. It's the difference in your cook temps. You're going to pull that ha- venison hamburger off, at maybe 120 to 125, where beef, you'll pull it off medium rare, maybe 130 to 135 because it's a burger, right? Because that venison is still going to cook on the plate when you first take it off. And because there's no fat in it, it can get away from you. And now you've got a dry burger. But is it dry because it's venison or is it dry because you overcooked it? It's it's definitely the cooking, and I'm really I'm really glad you know we went down this route with this episode because you know we've all heard it, and I'm the same as as both of y'all. I've I've never, and maybe it's because all the game meat I've eaten, I've either cooked myself or I've been with someone such as y'all that that knows what they're doing. I know Brian comes down and he'll make like you know um, quail poppers or or pheasant poppers, and and he you know that's a bird that he chases a lot. But my point is, I've heard that many a times too. Is you know, like we eat a lot of turkey, uh, ground turkey. We put it in our spaghetti. We're just me and my girl. We just we absolutely love turkey. We love turkey burgers. And whenever people come down, normally the first quick easy dinner is I'll say, hey, I'm gonna make turkey burgers tonight. Even my own brother came down here. I think it was last year. And I was like, we're eating turkey burgers. He's like, turkey burgers are dry. I, we, you know, the kids aren't going to eat that. We don't like that. I'm like, well, let let me cook them. And one thing I pride myself on is I, you know, I can cook a good burger. So I tell him, I'm like, let me cook them, and and then you guys can decide. And my brother, his wife, the kids, they all loved it. The kid went back for more. The family was like, oh my gosh, he never eats this much. And and it was just, I was laughing so hard because I'm like, well, you guys are probably like referring to like a Burger King turkey burger, like something you got from the store pre-packaged. And I'm like, this isn't a frozen patty here. Like this is something that I made when you guys were here. Um, and then, you know, I ground it up and it was nice and fresh and, and, you know, I grilled it and, and every time someone comes, uh, you know, even close friends, I'll, I'll always make turkey burgers cause it's one of my favorites. Um, and I'm like, I've never had a dry turkey burger, so I'm not really sure what you guys are doing, but. Oh, uh, this, you know, since it is still turkey season, cause we'll, um, tomorrow morning we'll have part of the crew over here, you know, kind of late morning. It's kind of a thing we do with the blackstone and charlie will make breakfast after the morning hunt but the turkey breakfast sausage is it's it's an 11 out of 10 people are like you've got to be kidding me this is turkey and we just smile you know and it's we take for granted the products that we consume all the time and it's almost like and you don't want to cross the line of being arrogant, right? But I almost feel like saying to hunters, you mean you don't eat it? <laughs> what? Yeah. You, know, you know, like, 
like, what's the matter with you? It, the problem isn't on my end. The problem's on their end, right? And and it's all it's all in what they've been taught. See, this is this you know what what we're really coming back to is mentorship and education, which is what we built our business model around with the field to table concept and the whole DIY. We're so serious about it. We even developed some apparel. You can go to the website and see the DIY look is, you know, learn how to do it yourself. And especially again, these economic times we're in, but it's funny people's perception. I shot a Turkey last spring up. My mom lives about an hour North of where Charlie and I are at. And my aunt and uncle live next door to them. And I was, my uncle loves wild game. He, he's, you know, he's because of health reasons only can hunt limited with a crossbow, get out in the blind when the weather's right. He's got a bad hip, kind of one of those, you know, sad deals. So I ran the turkey over, dropped the tailgate and was all excited to give them fresh turkey. Right. And she walks out and says, "We, I won't cook that. I won't, I won't cook that. And I'm and my uncle's standing there drooling, and now I've put them in a position where she's she's saying I won't cook it, and he's like, "Dang, well, what I did was I gave it to my mom, and she'll cook it, and then he'll come over and just eat some of it, right?" But here's the here's the laughable part of this story. Every time Charlie and I make sausage products, I give my mother a, a good share of them, right, because they they enjoy them up there. And she's got turkey kielbasa. She's got turkey Polish sausage. She's got turkey Italian sausages, turkey breakfast sausage, all from stuff we've made in the last 60 days, right? So here's the laughable part of this story. My aunt and uncle love them. Mom will make them on the grill. They, They eat them, and they're like, this is amazing. And my mom just laughs when she tells me the story because my aunt is eating that very turkey that she told me to basically leave the yard with, right? Because she wasn't going to eat it. And now now they're eating them, wondering how they can get more. And my mom's just not going to tell her, right? So we all know it's kind of a wink-wink moment, but it's a good story because I want people that are listening to say, hey, I'm willing to take the plunge. I'll try that. I want to get into this on my own. You know, Charlie and I are kind of on a mission. I told him if I could grab 10, 20, 30,000 hunters out of 15 million and literally start them at scratch, they don't know one thing. They don't know how to, they know how to shoot. They know how to get one, right? They got a turkey, they got a deer. But if I had to teach them how to skin it, quarter it, debone it, grind it, then turn it into things like jerky and, and sausages. I, I'll do that all day long because I can smile because I know I've made a difference. Oh yeah. 100%. You know, you, you guys have both said it many times. We, we take for granted the things we know and I'm, I'm nowhere near the, the level that you guys are when it comes to processing. I literally have like 10 different things I've written down for myself um, of things I want to do. And I tell people all the time though, at the end of the day though, like making the most of your game animal and providing like once you've done it, you said we give that wink wink moment because we know like, I don't know what it is. I've I've asked myself before. It, it, like we've said this question before. If you're not living field to table, why why not? If you're active in the outdoors and you're and you don't have to be hunting, it could be fishing, um, you know, or trapping. 
you know, if you're not living that field to table lifestyle, like why, why not, you know, why, why didn't she want that turkey meat? Um, you know, those are, those are questions I, I feel like we'll always, always ask. And I'm, I'm yet to hear a, a response. I hear the excuses like you hear it's too dry or I don't know how to cook it or this. And I'm like, well, the season butchers don't took the guesswork out of that. You guys have a ton of videos with, you know, uh, thousands and thousands of views and subscribers with it that that look at this and 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 are applying it. So it's it's not we're not we're not creating molecules here. We're not we're not we're not launching a rocket ship into space. You know we're taking our game animal and we're we're turning it into to to basic, but also um, you know you can take it to another level. Another thing I I hear a little bit is. I don't have no place to do it. And I think to myself, what do you mean you don't have no place to do it? No, I, I, I just, I don't have a meat shop. Well, you don't need a meat shop. Do you have a kitchen table? Do you have an island? You know, myself, all these videos that you guys see on our channel is done right in my basement. I don't have a big fancy locker plant. I don't have some big fancy meat area or big garage space just to do all this. This is home butchering. Before I owned a house, when me and my wife were dating, we lived in an apartment building. And I still have pictures of my wife. We were at our little island in our apartment and making venison brats, a little electric grinder. And all we had was a simple, you know, fridge over freezer, freezer over fridge combo. I would stick my one or two deer in there and pull out and make small batches at a time. Anybody can do this. You can do this right at home. You don't need this big fancy facility. You just got to have a little ambition and the knowledge is here to do it. It's it's funny. I got to throw this in because I know we're up against, you know, kind of that that ending time here yeah yeah i mean you guys so, just got my i'm wide-eyed over here i know we're at an hour but you guys dude, keep rocking I, I got it. If you're, <laughs> yeah if you're still hanging on i got a hilarious quick story yeah please please one do the first one of the first videos we posted a guy made a comment just so y'all know these guys are not butchers he obviously must have done some quick research. We are not. Hey, that's thanks exact, for the compliment. That's, exact, that's exactly <laughs> our point. We're not butchers. We're not. We don't have a yeah. We don't have a locker plan. We are DIY, and we're damn proud of it. Okay, we've been taught since we were toddlers how to live from field to table. We haven't even got into the fishing stuff and filleting and, you know, eating. You know, my son has a little video on one of the, uh, one of the little videos. They talked about eating beaver in the spring trapping season. There's so many things that we've yet to film and edit because you know how long it takes to film and edit a video. I mean, this stuff takes many, many hours. The point I'm making is we are not butchers. We are not a locker plant. I don't have a beard down to my belly button to impress you or or I don't have any celebrities on my channel. It's it's and I'm not poking fun of that. I'm trying to say we're just like you. I'm laughing at you, Justin. We are just like you. And we're just like probably I'm going to say 75 to 80 percent of those 15 million 
So we're just like probably 12 million of the hunters out there. And those are the 12 million that we want to find the channel. Now I'm being a little unrealistic with that number, but Hey, the, the, the 20% that can afford to go pay the locker plant, those exorbitant rates, God bless you. You've been blessed financially. You want to go pay seven to 10 to 20 to 50 to a hundred to a thousand times more than you need to right? like jerky. God bless you. Good for you. You got money to burn. You know what? I don't. And I'm not embarrassed to admit that. Many, many times we lived, you know, paycheck to paycheck. And it's not like we're rolling in greenbacks. We do this stuff because it's part of our budget as well. We have to do this to survive. And that's why we're sharing this whole concept of living field to table. This is not some gimmick, Justin. Oh Missing. yeah, no. I was just thinking. I was, I was thinking of. It's funny. I, I don't know if you guys follow this. And I, like I said, we're not bashing nobody, but it, it is funny, and we're real people, so we're gonna joke like real people. But you know, when I always see Liver King, when you say we're not in this for the, uh, you know, we're, you know, the reasons we're in it are different. You know, th- it's not a gimmick. No one. It's not like you guys created this idea uh, last year, and you're the first person in eternity to do something like this. But no one showcases that. It's like. Why is why is that not as important as pulling the trigger or having a photo of a buck on your Facebook? Why is why is this not as important as that when the whole when literally almost the whole reason most of us do this, even if you're a trophy hunter, I love chasing trophy bucks, but the meat is the most important thing to me and if it wasn't for the meat, I probably honestly wouldn't be doing it. I would be doing something else. Um, you know, I've lived paycheck Grew up from the bottom too, you know. We we grew up real poor in Western Virginia, and and yeah, we're you know blessed now. But it's one of those things where it's like just because I, I have some money doesn't mean I'm gonna freaking go spend sixty dollars on five ounces of jerky. That's absolutely just saying it out loud is is, is hard to do. <laughs> yep, amen. I I agree completely. Yeah, it's. It's interesting because of the world that you're in with Servicide and the world we're in with the seasoned butcher, I want people to realize we didn't wake up and say, geez, let's let's be a vlogger. Let's <laughs> let's be social media influencers. That's not what this is. This is we have a business and the best way to reach the masses and most economical way to reach the masses is to do it through this this thing called YouTube with videos and this thing called Facebook groups, right? Right. Because we we could never afford to pay the advertising to get, you know, to reach hunters in all 50 states. It just wouldn't happen. It's not economical. So yeah, we're, you know, we we rely on the shares and the likes and the subscribes and that that right there is referral-based marketing, right? That's that's what you want, and you know we're we're in the same, and, and this isn't about us. So I, I'll definitely keep this short. When this is about the season butcher, but you know, a service size the same way. I, I talk to people all the time, and we're not here to make anybody famous. Those those days are long and gone. If you got on that train at the time it was popular, I think it was like the early, you know, well like 2010, 2012 era. You know when you had I call it the field staff boom. 
Um, you know that that was then. We're not in in that game either. We're we're here to to provide things just like the season butcher that maybe someone hasn't heard of. We're not taking our membership money and putting it into marketing dollars. We want to put our money into companies like you guys um, that are actually doing what we believe it should be done in the industry, which is what's happening after you pull that trigger. You've walked up to that animal, um, and and what are you doing? what are you doing now? You know, what are you doing with it? To us, to me, that's one of the most important things. It just as important as patterning a mature buck or, you know, chasing a big game animal in another state. Yep. hundred percent. Well, that's a good note probably to wrap on. Um, yeah. Anything else you got for us right at this second or, um, well, you know, as, as far as I, you know, we could always go down deeper and deeper and, and to our listeners, I, I know we're touching on about an hour and 15 minutes, so we definitely want to, we'll cut this one up, but, um, I mean, we'll cut this one short, I'm sorry, and, uh, it'll just be a long-winded episode, which is great, but, um, if, if we missed anything or, or you guys feel like you want to talk to the season butcher, Charlie and, and Jim a little bit more about this, um, let us know. I'm going to have on our social. So, you know, we're on Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, truth. I mean, Twitter, we're on everything. You can find us at Serviceide. Um, if you need to know how to spell it, it's deer slayer in Latin. And then obviously the seasoned butcher. So, you know, normal spelling on that. Um, but you know, reach out to us. Let us know if there's something you'd like us to touch more on or, or do something with. This month at June is going to be about the season butcher. It's going to be about living that field to table lifestyle, real life stuff. Not you know, like you said, we don't have commercials on on TNT at dinner time. That's going to pop up some, you know, little season butcher logo over here and, and someone making some beautiful game meats. You know, this is stuff where it's it's word of mouth. It's it's doing things like we are in service side where we're partnering with companies like this. So definitely reach out to us and let us know or let us know um, in your comment section of your podcast. I'll be able to see it and I can reach out to Jim and Charlie and, and definitely get the answers you guys want because we, we want to help. You know, we Obviously, we got to pay the bills and keep the lights on, but this is about more than that. This is about helping hunters be the best they can be make the most of their game meets, make the most of their lo- the way they live their life. I mean, we could we could go save money, you know, why why would you want to put $60 towards 5 ounces of jerky when you could put $60 to uh, you know, 10 10s and 20 and 30 pounds of jerky, you know? Agreed. 100%. Now, did I um we'll we'll close it up here um but d- is there anything that you guys wanted to end with? No, we're good. I I think if they listen to this, their brains are probably spinning. So, no, nah, it, it's good though. You know, these long-winded episodes they they have their place, and the, and there there will be people that will enjoy this. And but um, I really appreciate you guys jumping on. Uh, we did this on the last episode, but for those that didn't listen, uh, Jim and Charlie, just tell us where these guys can reach you. Um, you know, if they have any questions or like to look at your products or, or anything like that. No, absolutely. The website's easy to get to, just www.theseasonedbutcher.com. And uh, if you come to YouTube where all these great videos are, it's uh, The Seasoned Butcher on YouTube if you run in the search. Instagram is the underscore seasoned butcher. And then we've got a Facebook page that we just launched probably about six weeks ago, and that is also The Seasoned Butcher and uh, so we're easy to find. You can message us through any of those mechanisms, and we'll we'll certainly take any comments or questions and get back to you in a timely fashion. 
Awesome. Awesome. Well, Charlie, Jim, I really appreciate you guys jumping on. We appreciate the invite, Justin. Awesome. Awesome. Well, you guys are listening to White Tail Theories podcast, and we will see you on the next one.